Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Matter of the Heart, where we bring you heartfelt, educational, quality, positive stories, all to elevate your spirit. I am your host, Carol Olivia, and I always really thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to the Matter of the Heart. I'm wondering, uh, listeners, I'm sure many of you can relate to this, maybe all of us. You know, did you ever uh, think of doing something, accomplishing a goal, task, or something, and you just didn't get to finish it? And this seems to be a repetitiveness over and over again. Something that kicks in, whether it's your conscious mind or your subconscious mind that prevents you to accomplish it, to go to that next step where you would feel freer. You know, you wouldn't have that burden in you or, or on you and, and that you would know that, you know, you're self-empowering yourself. You accomplished it. Well, the guest for the matter of the heart is Terry, Terry Earthwind Nichols. He is a chairman, an evolutionary healer. He is the ambassador of United Refugee Green Council. He's an international speaker. He is an author. He is the creator of the Vision Strategy Roadmap. And he's the founder of Behavior Cellular Regression, um, which I find fascinating, Terry. Really repetitive behavior cellular regression. Well, thank you so much, Terry, for being on the show. Thank you. I enjoy you, Carol. So this is uh, just as great fun to to spend some time with you. We we did another show earlier, or well, towards the end of last year, uh, about something else, and um, uh, it was great fun. And when you asked me back, I was very honored. Oh, thank you, Tim. thank you. What you know, we're all guilt. Not I don't like to use the word guilty, but we all have this procrastination of something does it emanate from the conscious or subconscious or anything you'd like to talk about that well you know procrastination so what is that you know so uh for for repetitive behavior thoughts and practices and research i've found that it is in fact a behavior it's not a disorder. It's not um, something that, that uh, depression causes. It, it works kind of around depression. When somebody starts going down uh, emotionally and, and um, you know, ego starts asking questions, well, why should we care and those kinds of things, we end up talking ourselves out of doing something that we know deep down inside that we can easily accomplish, number one, but number two, uh, it will do great things for us personally or, or career-wise. And, and yet, we still go into this stop mode where, well, I'll just work on it tomorrow. Or, you know, this, I've, I've got a lot to do with social media this few days, uh, reading everything, so I probably won't uh, start writing in my book that I've been trying to write for 15 years, those kinds of things start to become very easy to justify. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in other words, it's a form of, of self-sabotage in a way. Uh, yes, it is. 
And so I'm picking up, Terry, if somebody doesn't want to do it, uh, is this also a, a, an esteem issue? Absolutely. You know, when, when fear plays into it, you know, uh, difference between uh, fear and, and great joy is that fear seems to last longer than joy, and that starts hurting us. And, and joy kind of goes away quite quickly. And when, when you get fear in, in, involved, um, you know, and, and people have a tendency towards depressive um, upbringing sometimes. They may not have depression themselves, but the, the environment that they grew up in taught them to react to certain things and, and fear being a big thing about it. Instead of fear and facing it, it was fear and run. So uh, all of that culminates. It's like a big stew that kind of moves around in there. And you never know if you're going to get a, a carrot or a piece of beef. Mm. So it's a repetitive uh, pattern. So how do we become, because I would think that repetitive pattern can be mechanical after a while. How do we, um, how do we become aware of that, you know, what it's doing to us? Well, for, for those that are listening, here's, the, here's what we call repetitive behavior. You know, think back to uh, New Year's Eve. Many times in your life, you probably made a ma New Year's resolution in the, in the mix of all of the fun and all those things. And before you went to bed that very night, you broke the resolution. And then the following year, you made the same resolution again with the same results. So when you do that two or more times, that's a repetitive behavior. Now that means that nothing's broken in there, okay? This is behaviors, all uh, behavioral science agree, behaviors can be modified and completely repatterned. And that's where we work with repetitive behavior cellular regression. We find out what's driving you to think that way over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And once, once you find it, we help you, what we call neutralize it, uh, so that it has no emotional value anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's just a memory back there in your history book. It's no longer something that drives your behaviors and, and causes you to repeat. Mm -hmm. So in that neutral position, I'm thinking I'm driving a car now, <laughs> you know, in that neutral position... Uh, do, do we alien, not alienate from it, so we detach from the emotional impact of it? Yeah, you know, um, when somebody witnesses something of a highly emotional um, value, let's say, um, I like to use this example, it's, it's, it's a tough one, but um, it's not normally a trigger one. A, a young boy witnesses the, the death, the violent death of his parents in a car accident or whatever. And uh, the next day, he's acting as though nothing has happened. Mm -hmm. And he has no connection to the fact that he no longer has any parents. He does not recognize the fact that he even had parents. That's amnesia. Mm -hmm. What has happened is, is the brain's defense system has put a, up a wall around that memory to protect the child from the stress of recall. And so uh, what we're finding is something similar happened early 
uh, in childhood before even uh, language skills. And the uh, amnesia took over and it started to become a control device, an active block that when other uh, emotional events occur later on in life, all the way into adulthood, um, it causes uh, the person to repeat the behavior that was modified in the in the beginning. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's um, it's a conditioning. I don't know if that's the right word, but it, it's a. I'm so I'm curious with all of the people you've dealt with, and I know you have um, many practitioners in different areas of the world, from what I, I recall. Uh huh. Um. What is your insight? In other words, okay, we have a repetitive pattern. We're in our 30s. When do you think some of this, you know, these types of um, behavior starts seven years old, nine years old? What type of influences can also enhance it? Good question. Um, you've been doing your homework. <laughs> they, what happens is, is when these um, early childhood things happen and, and the, the amnesia takes over, mm -hmm. as you learn, uh, we learn a, linearly, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, one plus one is two, that's all lineal thought. So this defense system also learns to operate in lineal thought, but not abstract thought because it is found that lineal thought is needed to come back down that neural pathway that they're blocking off. So they're, they're very good at deflecting the deflection system to keep you going to other places but where it needs to be. Here's a key on it. When um, later on in life, when another emotional event occurs, it wants you to keep thinking about that event instead of the, the original one or even connecting to that. And, and here's how it works. The, the, um, when the, the initial amnesic event occurred and it is blocked off, so is that, that neural pathway that's being able to retrieve. So some, and this is pre-language, majority of them, under two years old. And somewhere between four and seven years old, where our mind matures to a point where it's able to um, start and stop repetitive thoughts at will. Mm -hmm. But if this deflection system is controlling that ability, two things happen. You don't know that you have an on-off switch back there, much less how do you access it. So repetitive thoughts are very easy. So a person who grows up being victimized over and over and over again in their life, like some of my clients, um, it's very easy for that situation to happen. And like other animals, we sense when there's somebody around us who's a victim or likely to become a victim. It's similar to animals. Certain animals won't... Um, well, there's a tribe in Africa, and this tribe, they go walking in, in, the, in the jungle all they want, and uh, predators don't touch them. But soon as they get older and less likely to defend themselves, the, they, the predators sense that they've changed and they get attacked. Same thing happens out here in urban, suburban life. And, uh, you know, there, there's people that are predatorial because they've learned that. That's not a, that's not a birth thing. Mm -hmm. It's learned. Mm 
they're, they're victims themselves. In order to not be victims, they become predators. And they can sense people and observe people who are those victim types, and they pick on them. So later on in life, that's what ends up happening over and over and over again. Whereas when we work with them, we go down a new neural pathway where the deflection system doesn't know where we're going because we're in abstract thought using the five senses like you and I've talked before, sense of smell and, and those kinds of things. When we get into the memory, we kind of come in, the simplest way to say it is we come in through the back door of the memory where it's not protected. And it's as fresh as if it happened two minutes before. It's amazing, even though that it could have happened 40, 50 years before. I'm curious, uh, Terry, when you say the back door, the back door, uh -huh. what does that mean? Well, we know that the, the senses um, are developed uh, in the brainstem right as it enters into the brain. That's where the five senses are. Mm -hmm. That's the reptilian area of the, of the brain. Mm -hmm. So when we go back to the reptilian area of the brain, we have gone around the normal thought processes that people work with with psychotherapeutic uh, methods. Um, those methods are whatever is bothering you will work on it and work on it and work on it. That means the front of the brain to the back. Mm -hmm. We go in and help start in the back and come forward. So uh, here's the key, ladies and gentlemen, when listening in tonight or today. Um, when, when we're able to do that, the five senses are acute. And here's the thing. When we, we have a person go back to a memory, this is all in a very specifically worded sequence. Mm -hmm. When they go to a memory, they stop the motions of the memory by making it a photograph. And then we have them inventory the uh, uh, memory using their five senses. Now, one thing at a time, what do you smell? I smell this and this and this. And then we, what else? Do you, what, now, what do you see? What do you hear? So that um, when we get back to where we're going, the, the deflection system is not able to follow us. And we're, again, we're in the senses. So we're back there in that base reptilian area of the brain. Mm -hmm. And now we're moving forward in free flow without any interruption from that amnesia that's, that's back there. And the result is the, the client will find that memory from the back of the memory instead of coming in the front. Now, that's the easiest way for us to say it so people will understand. There's a scientific way of saying it. I don't use it at all because it's, it's very difficult to understand in scientific terms. Hmm. Well, as we say in Brooklyn, forget about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you're freeing, you're, what I'm getting is you're freeing it up. Yeah. So once, once the person is inside the memory, right. the, the, they, they're seeing the person or persons that created the memory in the first place. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, their faces so that they recognize that that person actually created this highly emotional event. And then out loud, they get to tell them what they think about them, causing their life to be as stressful and as and as messed up as it has been for years and years and years. And, and when they're done, the amnesia is released. 
because they're in control of that that memory now. So the amnesia is no longer there. And that that pathway that was blocked off so many years ago is now being replaced by the new pathway that we created to get to the memory. So uh, the blocked memory or that roadblock uh, with the dead end on it, we don't use it anymore. We go another alternate route. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, um, uh, the concept of, of procrastination, are there any or a couple of areas uh, of our journeys of our lives that we can tend to procrastinate more than other you know i think it's um individual because um procrastination is a learned response like crossing your arms um is a is a no buy we're taught you know or when our parents are upset at us they cross their arms also um uh, procrastination can be learned by observation. So if they're around people, their parents or whatever, uh, that, that are procrastinators themselves or tend to be, they learn what that's all about. Yeah. And if they're in a victim mode, which usually they are, then the deflection system picks up on that and they keep them in that going forward. Okay, we don't, we don't just all of a sudden okay, we're broken, so here's procrastination. That doesn't happen. Self-sabotage and pro procrastination come from an initial victimization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, I, I find the word victim a kind of interesting, you know, especially with children. They can be easily, you know, easy targets for, as victims because there's no defense mechanism at that time. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so is there any way we can uh, protect ourselves of being a victim when we're in adulthood? Well, in adulthood, we make uh, conscious choices regardless of how we grew up. Okay. The key here, though, is if something is controlling that ability, you're going to stay in it. So it's much harder to stay uh, focused that way. For people listening in, uh, if, if you are a procrastinator or, or a regular self-sabotager like I was all my life, mm -hmm. um, it, it can be repaired, okay? Soon mm -hmm. as one, I trained one of my people, I have people in, in 13 countries, 26 U.S. states, all over the place doing this work in seven languages. I finally, after a number of years, uh, I know all the tricks and how to help people. So my defense system knows all the tricks. Mm -hmm. So I finally um, was able to train one of my masters to be as good as I am. Well, she's gonna be better than I am actually, and that's pretty neat. Mm -hmm. But um, in doing so, um, when she took me back through, I felt that she could, she could get me back there. She could do it, and she did. And, and she did it in a different way at the end of the sequence than I've ever done. And that was able to, and, and that result was that, that um, my defense system was tricked and we went right in the memory. Mm. So how about giving us, a, um, I'm sure you have many stories, um, a, a, a story that we can uh, hold on to. I have a recent um, client here in America. She's just th been through the 30-day th uh, CR process. Mm -hmm. uh, we won't go into that, how that works tonight. But here's the key. 
uh, when we her whole life, um, she she has been ultra sensitive to to things happening around her that are that are are wrong. Um, where one person would go, "Geez, did you see that person? I was just sad." She'd cry. You know, she had a lot of emotion around, and we couldn't figure out why. So. I suggested, okay, let's let's go through the CR process and let's find out why you're doing that. It's okay to cry and be emotional with something on behalf and uh, as, as an empath, but um, to cry uncontrollably over somebody tripping over a log or something like that—that's a bit much. So we went through the process, and here, here's what we found, ladies and gentlemen, which was terrific, and that, and it's a wonderful example right now that um, is not high uh, trigger opportunity. When she was four months old, her father had her on the floor in front of uh, the sofa in their home, sitting up, and he's taken pictures of her. Dad just took pictures of her like crazy when she was a baby and, and into her youth. And she was sitting there and um, she's only four months old, ladies and gentlemen. Behind him on the floor was her cousin, who was a few years uh, older, who was crying and, and kind of, in her mind, seriously abused by her uncle because he probably did something, wouldn't settle down or anything like that, so his uncle um, punished him in some manner. But this little girl didn't understand any of that. She's only four months old. She was thinking, Daddy, when I cry, you pick me up and give me kisses. Daddy, when I cry, you give me food. Daddy, when I cry, you change my, my diaper. Why isn't anybody helping him? He's crying. Somebody has to help him. And she had no way of vocalizing that that angst. And so the photographs that he took that day were, were just very strange. In fact, she even found one of them and sent it to me, and it was amazing. That was the first time that, that a client was able to get into an old memory where there was an actual photograph of the memory. But here's key. Nobody hurt her. She observed somebody being hurt and didn't understand. And at four months old, she couldn't tell daddy to, to go pick that boy up and hold him. He need, he's crying. So it's, it's, it's powerful what the brain can do. And this woman uh, who, who's 30, um, she could remember that room, that instance, the feel of the carpet at that moment. And the fact that uh, her left shoe felt extra tight. I mean, that's a marvelous amount of memory back to four months old. That would be, that's my best one. And I have one more that I would tell just very quickly before we get off. A uh, 70-year-old man, lifelong asthmatic, 12 to 14 puffs a day, all his life. When we took him through the CR session, he found himself in an incubator with two weeks old with pneumonia listening to his father tell his mother, maybe we should just let him die. Maybe that would be the best thing for him because he's just not going to make it. Mm -hmm. And that caused him to be an asthmatic. Now, ladies and gentlemen, 30 days after he went through the CR process, he had completely stopped his asthma medicine. And for five years after that, until a tragic accident, never used his asthma medicine again. 
It's a great story, Terry, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Wow, beautiful. So if you're going to um, uh, uh, give some wisdom about procrast, any insight, any wisdom about procrastination uh, in a healthy way, uh, uh, Terry, what yeah. would you tell Procrastination is a result of something that you learned before. And here's what we tell our clients to do. When you get into a situation um, where you're not necessarily triggering, but you fall into that procrastination where you're just sitting looking at your work at work or whatever, and you just can't get moving, just stop for a moment and see if a memory comes up from your childhood where you either watch somebody doing that or you, you were doing it yourself. You weren't getting your work done or your chores or whatever. And look around for somebody uh, who's about to get mad at you and tell them, stop, I'm not a bum or whatever they called you in that memory. And it will release you from that bond at that moment, not permanently, but it can start a new behavior. And if you're able to do that, then you really want to reach out to us at evolutionaryhealer.com and have a conversation. Because the next time it, that it happens, we can go back there with you and find the original memory that started all that and neutralize it. And then all the rest of them that you're dealing with on a regular basis stop as well. Hmm. Well, that's very, very interesting. Wow, so there's a lot of validation to this. Uh, you know, that's what I'm picking up, a lot of validation. Yeah, it's beautiful work. Well, thank you so much for that. Well, you've been listening to Terry. Terry Erwin Nichols. Uh, with so much about of his background, but certainly he's been talking to you about behavior cell repetitive behavior cellular regression, and the topic of the show was uh, was procrastination. A lot to learn from. Thank you so much, Terry. Thank you. You're welcome, and and uh, this is just terrific. And thanks for inviting me back. I just I so enjoy you. Oh, thanks, Terry. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. You've been Bye, everybody. <laughs> You've been listening to The Matter of the Heart, and uh, I've been your host, Carol Olivia. Uh, good night.